This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. This is your Friday, May 14th episode. And as we head into the final weekend of the 2020-21 regular season, with most fantasy leagues wrapped up by this point, today we are going to hand out some fantasy awards, including honors and distinctions for great achievements, as well as some really irritating stuff that we have to vent about. And possibly, maybe somewhere in there, a couple of lessons learned. We'll see about that. That is all coming up in just a second. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Quickly, off the top, I want to mention a programming note. This coming Monday, Steve, Ryan, and I will be taking part in a live NBA playoff preview show with some of the NBC Sports Edge betting crew as well and you'll be able to listen to that later in the day on monday and that will replace our regular monday episode this coming week so we're excited about that look out for it and as i said later in the day on monday you'll be able to listen to that right here and right now speaking of ryan knaus and steve alexander they both join me guys i just want to note ryan and i in the nbc sports edge gear steve keeping it old school with the roto world polo well based on our ages i think it's appropriate (laughs) <laughs> I love it. This should be a nice cathartic exercise, I feel like, Matt. You mentioned the the, the frustrating players. It'll be I think there'll you know, could be a venting session coming up. This this will yeah. be fun. Let's try to balance the positive and the negative here. You know what I mean? Sure. We don't want to go too far in either direction. Let's let's find a nice middle ground. And we'll yeah. start with fantasy MVP. And honestly, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on this one because I would guess that we all agree while you could make some arguments for maybe Steph Curry. Even a wild off-the-board argument for Russell Westbrook based on the number of fantasy leagues he probably won for people. Or, you know, maybe Kyrie Thomas for his last four games for Houston. The fantasy MVP... <laughs> Ryan's looking at me. <laughs> okay, the fantasy MVP is Nikola Jokic, right? <laughs> Correct. That is who I have written down on my secret on my secret ballot. Yes, secret ballot says Nikola Jokic, 26.5 points, 11 rebounds 
around eight and a half assists, 1.3 steals, 0.7 blocks, 1.33s, missed uh, zero games? Sounds right. To the Nuggets I'm derailing us. three games left? Derailing us right off the start. Jokic missed zero games. Nice. Yes. Uh, so that combination of durability and productivity, he's basically been the number one rated player in nine category leagues pretty much all year. So I don't think we need to uh, waste any more time on this one, right? I don't think so. No, I mean, okay. <laughs> yeah, out of position stats for a center. I tried to look up a case for him based on like, oh, maybe in a points league, someone edged him out, but he was just mm-hmm. ahead of Giannis and Westbrook. He's the fantasy MVP across the board. Next up, waiver wire pickup of the year. And this one for me, guys, I, I looked at it and the two names that really jumped out to me were, tell me if you agree, uh, Kyle Anderson and Kelly Olynyk, both are currently top 70 fantasy guys. You know, you've got TJ McConnell maybe in the mix. I mean, there are certainly late season players who have have kind of tilted the landscape of fantasy leagues for people over like a shorter stretch. But I mean, look at Anderson as a guy who was pretty much available all season and produced all season, or Olinick as a guy who was okay and then went into the stratosphere for Houston. So I think those are the two front runners for me. Do you guys have different names? I know I, I feel like Steve is probably going to agree with Olinick, and I will too. Because um, it wasn't just, you know, as you mentioned, there are a couple guys, O'Shea Bursett even had like some monster games, maybe one year, one year league for you in a weekly matchup. Um, mm-hmm. KJ Martin Jr. has been on a tear. Like certain guys have done it in, for a couple weeks. Olinick's been right. doing it for months, and he's been smashing like top 20 value every single night keeps playing for some reason for this Houston team. So uh, he gets my vote. And then my runner up was TJ McConnell. Yeah. And even on, you know, Wednesday night in a Houston game, that means nothing to them. Olenek was out there doing it again. I mean, guy hits threes, block shots, steals. I was kind of on him. I feel like I was on him all year. I picked him up in a bunch of leagues. I've always been an Olenek supporter. I'm surprised at how good, uh, he was after he was uh, shipped over to Houston, but man, he was awesome. Um, another guy that I think was picked up off the waiver wire that really went crazy down the stretch for fantasy managers is uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. I think when he uh, broke his kneecap and was out for a while, mm-hmm. people dumped him, and you know that Hawks team was so deep he didn't really he didn't really do a lot you know in the beginning of the season, but man, he was he was amazing down the stretch. He's another guy I think should be in the conversation. That's true. He was a guy who went on and off of waivers in a bunch of leagues. And by the way, Lloyd Pierce was using him in like an off-the-ball catch-and-shoot role only, where Nate McMillan is using him as like hmm. a secondary ball handler and much much more of a focal point. And you see it when you watch Hawks games. The guy's an absolute beast. So I like I like that one too. Nate McMillan. Hmm. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, was that a little foreshadowing, Steve? Nah. Oh, okay. Next up... Fantasy Rookie of the Year, Raphael Johnson and I talked about this the other day. We came to an agreement that we think it's probably still LaMelo Ball, even though Steve resents him for losing him a fantasy league with some turnovers after he came back from that wrist injury, which kept him out more than a month. So I guess that's the one question mark on his Fantasy Rookie of the Year resume. Ryan, where do you land on this one? You know, I'm going to be a contrarian here and okay. say that LaMelo, yeah, he missed a big chunk of the season at a critical time for fantasy managers. That's that's tough to, to overcome. There have been some DMPs for my pick too recently, uh, but hopefully your season was over by the time Tyrese Halliburton went down. Uh, and he was just a, a roto guy. Now, 
It, it, this is a tough decision because I feel like in points leagues, it was uh, Anthony Edwards. In dynasty, obviously, either Lamelo or Edwards or, or someone else. But for me, in, in Roto, looking at 8-cat, 9-cat for just this year, I think Halliburton get, gets the vote. He was great in dimes, great in steals, didn't hurt you anywhere. Lamelo's percentages were a little bit of a concern. You mentioned the turnovers. Uh, and we saw, you know, Halliburton grow throughout the year. He was great in a six-man role, great as a starter. So uh, super impressive. And based on where you drafted him, I don't know if that comes into play here, but obviously he was much cheaper. You had to spend a mid-round pick to get Lamella. Well, I think it's interesting because I am going to go with Anthony Edwards. So we all three of oh us have a different fantasy rookie of the year. We're talking about fantasy yes. rookie of the year. To be clear, Lamelo when he came back was just like just like on Wednesday, one for nine, one for twelve, three for fourteen. Like he did not play well when he came back. When his fancy managers really needed him in the playoffs, plus he was out all that time. I think when he was hot and went on the stretchy games, he was the most fantasy friendly rookie. He had the most fantasy friendly stretch. Tyrese Halliburton went down with an injury right as the playoffs were happening. Mm -hmm. He wasn't really there for his teams. Our guy, Anthony Edwards, as, as <laughs> Matt, Matt and Roth talked about the other day, he looks like a different player in the second half of the season than he did the first half. This guy was healthy all year. He played in every game. He went on a scoring tear at the end of the season. He was there when we needed him in the fantasy playoffs. Played more games than those other two guys. To me, that – that makes up for his lack of uh, shooting percentage and, and some turnovers. But I, I think we all agree Anthony Edwards was better than we all thought he was going to be this year. Oh, yeah. Does he have the most fantasy-friendly game out of those three? No, he's probably last, but he was the most reliable rookie. Yeah, Steve, you almost swayed me there. And I think, Ryan, to your point, if Halliburton had not missed time, I do think he was – that one's a close call because of the injury. I get your point on him. And, Steve, you almost swayed me on Edwards. I think – I still just that stretch where Lamelo he he flew closest to the sun when he was at his best out of these three. But his his wings melted and he he crashed <laughs> to earth for a month, man. <laughs> Mellow Mello flew too close to the sun. <laughs> a split panel on fantasy rookie of the year here. Let's move on to best old dude, the best old dude award. Now we often talk about, you know, be careful drafting players over 30. There were a bunch of players over 30 who produced at an extremely high level this year. I mean, to me, the best, the runaway best old dude is Steph Curry. Uh, hmm. uh, Steph is what, 32 now? 32, 33? What is he? Looking it up. 33. Derailing the show. 33? Yep. Yeah, that's an old dude. That is an NBA old dude. <laughs> 32 points per game, five and a half boards, nearly six assists, 1.2 steals, over five three-pointers, number two in nine category leagues on basketballmonster.com. That's my pick for best old dude. Who's next? Steve? No, you guys. You got an old dude? Oh, old guy? Uh, yeah. Are you talking to the old... Uh, We're talking about old guys, and you just had an old guy moment where you literally had no... no idea what you're talking about well matt so i fitting. think you, it would make sense for you to call on one of us so that we don't talk at, at the same time well maybe maybe that's an old guy moment for me so steve talk get off my lawn <laughs> um i agree with you i think it's steph curry i think if james harden wouldn't have been out for five weeks at the end of the season it would have been harden and i think if lebron james didn't miss the last however many games that's been minus the one he showed up for, then LeBron's in the conversation as well. 
And I think if you drafted Harden or you drafted LeBron James, your team probably didn't win because he was they were sitting out, you know, for the last month, month and a half. So uh, to me, it's Curry. He, Curry was going off down the stretch. That three-game week that Golden State had right after Curry went on all those 40-point binges, then he had an off-shooting night and a three-game week. That, that kind of sunk me. But other than that little blemish, he was awesome. See, I got to go with, I, I mean, obviously can't argue with Steph, but I, I think a player nearly three years older than him who was similarly fantastic for fantasy all year long, and that is Chris Paul, uh, mm-hmm. deserves our attention. I mean, when, when you say old dude, I'm thinking like 35 <laughs> and up, and he fits the bill. He's 36 now. Uh, and yet he's, I think we could do the games played check again, Matt, if you could, but I, I think he's only missed one game this season, something like that. Um, I'll do it. He's just been fantastic, durable, you know, uh, all the fantasy goodness you expect from CP3. Uh, and, you know, not not that reality has anything to do with it, but what he's managed to do for this Suns team is nothing short of remarkable. Chris Paul has, by my count, looking at his game log, missed one game, as you said. And I think he barely missed any last year, too, right? And the uh, thing about Paul, yeah. and I, I mean, I say this. This is sort of like my mantra. I, I'm always worried about his knees. I'm always worried about his health. I'm always worried about his age. And he just keeps coming back year after year, defying the odds. And now, not even talking about it from a fantasy perspective, what he's done to turn that Suns team around and be the leader of that train is just, it's awesome, man. I, like, I have more respect for Chris Paul now than I, than I really ever have. Like, I, I kind of love it. Two missed games last year for Paul, one this year. So three total the last two seasons. Put those hamstring injuries behind him, and he's talked extensively about it. He overhauled his diet. I think he went on to like a vegetarian diet, uh, got a new trainer. I mean, he's something that he does behind the scenes. That, I mean, it's amazing what he's doing at age 36. Absolutely. Now, I, I definitely had a comment i wanted to make there but fittingly i forgot what it was so we're gonna move on to biggest fantasy bust guys my nomination here is one devin booker this is a guy who got drafted on average 12th overall in yahoo leagues was only a top 75 guy in fantasy now his numbers aren't that far off from his peak if you look at it right around like 25 points four boards four assists but there's enough of a drop off everywhere and Booker's margin for error was thin enough in the first place that he was arguably a guy who shouldn't have gotten drafted 12th even if you were going to get his peak numbers so basically big divide between reality and fantasy here obviously he's he's been very good in real life for the Suns with a slightly adjusted role but that's been bad for fantasy and based on what you invested he's been brutal yeah well I I don't know man I think if you if you spent a high pick on Devin Booker your team wasn't automatically sunk. Like he was out there every night. He was scoring a ton of points and he had moments where he got some steals and he, and he had some assists. Like I have a hard time really burying Devin Booker for doing what he's supposed to do on, on a team with Chris Paul, a player I do have issue with, however, is 16th round value. Ja Morant, who I took mm-hmm. in the second round of 30. Did I take him in the first round? Yeah, I think I took him in the first round of our 30-team draft. And uh, obviously that didn't work out very well when he missed the first month of the season. And then he's a disaster, man. 16th round fantasy value. 45% from the floor, 73% from the free throw line. 
And really just bland, mediocre, not very good numbers. 19 points, four rebounds, seven assists. Doesn't even get a whole steal a game, barely gets a three a game. Barely serviceable, not very intriguing, John Morant. Yeah. I'm I'm with you. John ja, ja Morant was the player I chose. There there are other guys, and I, I you know I don't think in this exercise we're penalizing players for DMPs, um, but like Kelly Oubre was a total bust. Uh, <laughs> yes. Larry Markinen, forget it. If you, if you drafted him, he was a disaster. But I'm with Steve. I just think Morant as a third round draft pick in most leagues to be producing the way he did was the biggest disappointment. Um, Flatline stats, as Steve said, his percentages went down, just didn't really didn't really float your boat anywhere. And my question becomes, were we just a year too early, Steve? Or are, like, are you buying in again next year? You think we, you know, just missed the uh, peak? No, he got worse fantasy-wise. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have very little faith in John Morant. And I wouldn't say he's on my never again list, but he certainly... Hmm. He's certainly somewhere near it. But this is where I should jump in and say, just like Devin Booker, John Morant, this is another massive divide between real life and fantasy because I think Morant is runs the show quite well for the Grizzlies and is a player that you know opposing defenses really fear and have to game plan for, obviously. But it's just based on, you know, if you're playing in a category-based fantasy league, there's just too many buckets where he does not... Uh, produce or puts you in a hole and so i don't know you guys make a fair point i mean morant as a whatever a second or third rounder producing like 180 something in nine category leagues is pretty bad and booker going 12th and producing around 75 is pretty brutal too i had marketing on my list i also had andre drummond and i had shea gilgis alexander who's only played in 35 games it was a super early round pick and i also have Luka Doncic's free throw percentage as another bust. <laughs> oh my god! A dig at Steve. <laughs> I, I so I, you could you could argue Luka was a bust if you wanted to. I mean, I he 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 underperformed in my eyes, but my my expectations were up at the ceiling. It, but it's another that's it's another perfect example. It's interesting that these most high profile busts, you know, no one would say Luka's underperformed in real life this year. Mm. Yeah, you're right. I yeah. don't think. Well, and so it looks like we we had a consensus on uh, old dude Curry. Just backtracking, it looks like we have a consensus on Morant. We have a majority uh, majority pick. So biggest fantasy bust is John Morant. You guys ready to move on? Sure. Yes. Most frustrating award. This is different than biggest bust, but you certainly could call some of these guys we were just talking about frustrating. I'm going to go uh, personal on this one with what happened to my fantasy teams. Fred Van Vliet was a guy who was providing borderline first round value while missing none of his first 34 games. I think he was 14th overall in nine category leagues at that point. Since then, he has missed 17 out of his last 35. Absolutely agonizing. If you had him on your squad, you lost one of your absolute anchors. And I know he's not the most frustrating player, but I am bummed out by what happened to him, and this is the only category where I can properly complain about it. <laughs> Ryan, who, who do you got? Uh, I'm going to go with, I mentioned Kelly Oubre Jr., and I think he was hugely frustrating for everybody who had him on their on their rosters this year. Um, just inconsistent play. We saw like brief glimpses of his fantasy ceiling, and we were like, oh, yes, he's, he's back, uh, and then got hurt, couldn't stay healthy. It's been a mess, whether it's his on-court production flagging with brutal percentages and so forth, or the injuries piling up. It's it's not been a good look, and I'm sure the Warriors aren't thrilled that they're paying him however much they're paying in luxury tax just to have him on the roster. 
And I'm going to agree with Ubre because um, I was all over him. I was banging the Ubre drum. I was drafting him everywhere. Um, how could he fail on a Golden State team missing so many pieces, including Clay Thompson? He was the perfect guy to fill in for Clay. Yada, yada, yada. Um, he, and he was terrible. I mean, he's just horrible shooting on most nights and um, just highly frustrating. Highly busty uh, Kelly Oubre. I also, not that I want to pick on a guy that's injured, but Jaron Jackson Jr. and the Jonas Nader hype train that we've listened to for three years. I mean, come on, dude. I, he almost didn't even play this season. He shows up at the very end, puts up lackluster numbers once again, and I just hope that we get to see Jonathan Isaac and Jaron Jackson Jr. both come back next year and dazzle us and blow our socks off. Because if they don't, at some point, you have to stop waiting for that taxi cab to show up if you're standing there for three hours it's still not there. I feel like we also, we can't go past this section without saying the name Robert Covington because I think anyone listening to this probably either during the bust or the most frustrating has probably been screaming the name Robert Covington at their listening device, whatever it may be. Yeah, See, I would slightly take issue with that, though, because you draft Rocco like 70s, 80s, maybe. And he had a stretch again this season for probably six weeks where he was like a top 20 player and made a huge positive impact for your team. So I think we know he runs hot and cold, right? He's he's Mr. Month-long slump. So I think you kind of you made your bed if you drafted Covington. Well, and I sure, but I, I think yeah, if, ahead, if you are in a points league, you cannot have Covington on your team. If oh, you're yeah. playing Roto, uh, if you're in like an eight cat league, and you you need somebody who's going to block and three and steal, then you can get by with him. But your team is probably going to struggle to score points in that format as well. So I agree, Roko's highly frustrating. Uh, to me, Ubre was a much bigger disaster. All right, so we have a majority vote on Ubre as well. Now, speaking of the most frustrating, I'm going to spin off of this and hand out what I am calling the inaugural Jetty Pills Award, given to the player who drove us so delirious with his inconsistency on and off the waiver wire that this moment <laughs> happened back in January. Let's roll it. But I was like, he's terrible. I can't have this guy on my, on my team anymore. But then the next game, he came back and, and did serviceable and intriguing things and he's fine i i think you just take your jetty osman spoonful of medicine and 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 suck it down (laughs) (laughs) oh that's awful what am i doing (laughs) don't even know where i am right now (laughs) just gotta take you just (laughs) jetty pill (laughs) you you just take your your Jetty Osman pill, and yeah. <laughs> All right, you get the idea. It goes on for about eight minutes after that. That was what a moment, Steve. I cannot get enough of take your you take your spoonful of Jetty medicine and suck, you it, suck down. it down. <laughs> what am I doing? That's awful. I don't even know where I, I don't am. know where I am. <laughs> well, those Jetty pills really kicked in, huh? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> What a beaut. What a beaut. Hey, thank you. Jetty Osman, the most ridiculously maddening uh, guy who doesn't really matter in fantasy. <laughs> no. 
So it's the inaugural one, but Shetty Osman will win it every year. So it's just, I, I, I think <laughs> it's just, so. It's just I think his so. award. We'll just roll, okay. we'll just roll some Jetty clip at the end of the season. Okay. I like it. The Jetty Pill Award. Yeah. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. want to remind you, our premium <coughs> product subscriptions at NBC Sports Edge cover all sports, so you can get access to NBA, NFL, NHL, and MLB premium products under the same umbrella for 10% off any subscription. Enter the promo code STU10. All right, guys, a few more before we get out of here. Let's let's uh, sprint down the finish here. Value pick. This would be, you know, based on the opposite of bust, based on ADP, outperforming ADP dramatically. I will run down the ones that really stood out to me, and then I'll tell you my pick. I've got Nikola Vucevic, ADP 29, was a top 12 guy. Clint Capella, ADP 61. He's 26th overall on Basketball Monster. Julius Randle, ADP 74. He's 39th. And OG Ananobi, ADP 84. He is 37th. Has, of course, missed a bunch of games. No, Ryan? Oh, you didn't. Why are you shaking your head? You didn't mention the correct answer. Oh, and then Draymond Green is the other guy I don't have. I would pick Clint Capella, but Ryan, you're saying I'm wrong. Who do you have? Terry Rozier. Ah, love it who was a very late pick. I believe his ADP was like 120, something yeah, very late. Call. Because everybody, and it made sense. You know, the, the Hornets just brought in a franchise point guard. They have Devontae Graham there. They have a playmaking wing in Gordon Hayward. How is Terry Rozier going to find, you know, enough minutes, enough touches to produce yeah. when he's not all that efficient? Well, guess what? <laughs> he just put up career high. Yeah. He's at 20.6 points per game. His career best field goal percentage over 45%, three and a half triples, four dimes, over 1.2 steals, all career highs. Unbel- I mean, came out of nowhere to do it. Uh, Julius Randle is my winner in reality for most improved. In, uh, but Rogier value pick, done. You're right. That's a great call. I, I I had I definitely overlooked that one. I had Rogier in a couple of leagues. I love him. The guy's an absolute baller, and and he's very fun to watch. Also, by the way, not just a yeah. good fantasy guy. Very fun player to watch. Steve, who do you got? Um, some guys that I think deserve to be at least mentioned that we didn't talk about. Sadiq Bay had a great season for the Pistons. I thought Jeremy Grant uh, until he got mm-hmm. shut down at the end was awesome for the Pistons. That's another Jared guy. Andrew Wiggins key member of the the Warriors and blocked a ton of shots this year, hit a ton of threes. Really, I feel like Wiggins has morphed into an actual fantasy player instead of just a 
one-dimensional scorer like he was all those years in mm-hmm. Minnesota. Like I have a lot of respect for for how far Wiggins has come and how how good he's looked. However, out of that whole list we're talking about, because he's not here um, to represent Clint Capella himself, Jared Johnson um, would definitely say Capella every single night, yeah. um, either via text or or our Slack channel. Um, I would get a one word Capella with seven exclamation points behind it, like 17 <laughs> P's of a couple E's, 10 L's and a bunch of A's at the end. Capella. And uh, every night and, and really watching as many Hawks games as Straub and I have watched this year and talking to Bob Rathman on this program. I really started watching Capella's handwork and footwork a lot more after we talked to Bob Rathman and, the guy is just a a rebounding monster, and he was out there every single night. The Hawks have what the third or fourth best record in the league over the second half. Like he, he's been an animal, and I passed him over in the fourth and fifth rounds, and I truly regret it. I did for for injury concern reasons, right? Because he he had that long lingering heel pain problem, and. I think plantar fasciitis. So I was just a little put off by a big man with a foot injury going into the season. Whereas, as you mentioned, uh, Jared Johnson was all aboard. <laughs> I think that, so he, he was drafting him everywhere in the fourth round, fifth round, and he, he was like, "Hey, I'm getting value." And he well, was right. I, I think he started out drafting him in, in like the third round, and then he was like, "Oh wait, nobody cares about Clint Capella anymore. Yeah. I'll wait. I'll wait and take him in the fifth round." And, you know, that's the thing. We hadn't seen him play as a Hawk. We hadn't seen him play right. in, in, a, in a year. Yeah. Uh, who knew how he was going to fit in with the Hawks? Who knew how good his skills really were? But, man, he he was awesome. I was on that same plan. I was getting Capella in all of my leagues. And then I ran into the last Roto World League where I got a very rude awakening when Jared took him about <laughs> 10 picks before I was planning to, and I was not happy. And, yeah. by the way, Ryan, you almost swayed me with your Rozier argument. Uh but I think the rarity of Capella's stats, too, the 14 rebounds and two blocks per game. Rozier's stat line is really good all around, but it's one that if you just look at the separate pieces, like you can, you lose him off your team. You know, you're not, I don't know, Clint Capella is such a glue guy and big man stats for fantasy squads. I still think I'd take him over Rozier as my value pick. All right. So Capella, it is then with a vote of three out of four since Jared voted uh, in absentia on this one. Uh, Next up, never again. This is a player we are never going to draft again. I will start this with my saying after seeing him miss, by my count, 29 games this season. I truly cannot imagine drafting Kristaps Porzingis ever again, even though he's been really good on a per game basis. It's just too, too much headache, too much heartache. Steve, who do you have? Uh, Kristaps Porzingis. It's the only oh. name. The only name I wrote down out of out of three hundred and fifty, four hundred <laughs> NBA players, we both only had one name written down, and it was yes, Porzingis. And correct. we didn't. We did not talk about this ahead of time either. It's just no. Yeah, you, uh, did you, not. you guys have formed a, a unity government, a voting block that has taken me down on Chris Paul. <laughs> taking, I'm, you know, it, that's okay. Um, I didn't write down Chris uh, Porzingis, although obviously a very good name to have on this list. I'm going to say Wendell Carter Jr. I will never be drafting Wendell Carter Jr. <laughs> ever again. Sure. I, not that he was some high pick I pinned all my hopes on, 
But he just, you know, he came into the season, oh, Billy Donovan's going to use him differently. He's going to be more involved offensively. Mm-hmm. Well, he was initially, but he couldn't handle the responsibilities. He, he just struggled really badly to grow into that role. Eventually, was kind of sidelined, went to Orlando, hasn't made much of an impact. Mo Bamba, clearly the better center there. I don't see how he how Wendell really emerges as like a fantasy impact player. So won't be drafting him. I've got another guy that this this award might maybe should be named after the the Marvin. I'm never the the I'm never going to draft Marvin Bagley award goes to. I'm going to um, veto that. I veto uh, Marvin Bagley, man. Even when it, even when he's good, he's bad. <laughs> That's all I've got. Ryan, were you vetoing the the award saying you will draft Marvin Bagley again? No, I was just dra- vetoing the the clunky naming of the award <laughs> after Marvin <laughs> Bagley. The, but but I did I love, love even when he's good, he's bad. So <laughs> yeah, maybe we stick with that moniker. Oh yeah, I think that Ooh, one stays. The, the even, I've never the even when he's good, he's bad. Award. He's bad. That's great. Oh, I see. I thought we were sticking with the the I'm never drafting Marvin Bagley. Again, or <laughs> see, you can barely badly. even say it. That's why we <laughs> can't. We be. have two. We have two left. Worst fantasy coach. I will start this one off again. Maybe I'm blurring real life and fantasy here. It's very possible, but I cannot watch Scott Brooks w- do what he does and not think this guy has absolutely no clue. And I don't mean no clue because obviously, I'm sure on some level he's a smart guy. But man, some of these decisions are so head scratching. Watching the Hawks Wizards game just Wednesday night. Daniel Gafford is completely dominating the Hawks. They have no answer for him. He's changing the game. He he's everywhere. He has 16 points in 17 minutes. Now, and that's it. And then he gets pulled and he's done. There there's talk of a Gafford minute limit. I don't know. It's been a while since that ankle injury. I don't really believe it. I think it's a Scott Brooks limit, and I think this guy completely wrecked what could have been a Gafford breakout among other head-scratching decisions and uh that's my choice. Ryan uh, that's a that's a good one. The Gafford thing I don't understand. Sometimes in situations like this, I'm like, maybe he's headed for restricted free agency or something, and the team doesn't want to like accidentally pay him ten million dollars a year. But he's not. He's anyway. Uh, my <laughs> worst fantasy coach of the year. I hope I pronounce it correct. Is Mark Dagnalt of the Oklahoma City Thunder? Uh, just yeah. what a hot mess all season. <laughs> Have they even, like, other than SGA, who's been out for half the year, like, do they have anyone in the top 100? I don't know. Maybe Lou Dort snuck in there, but he's out every other game for rest, even though he's, like, 22. Yeah, nothing about that team appealed to me. Al Horford oh, had Ryan, his moment Al in Horford. the sun. You forgot Al Horford, <laughs> yeah. 58th overall. I was, like, screaming at the top of my games. lungs from the moment the season began. Like, Al Horford is going to be shut down. You do not want him on your team. Yeah, I mean, sell me on something good that came out of OKC. So, Dagnall is my pick. I'm going to go, this is a personal vendetta. <laughs> I am. I do not enjoy the antics of Nick Nurse in Toronto and the way he jerks <laughs> my guy around. Chris Boucher, okay. 15 That's minutes funny. here, 30 minutes there. Or um, he, he can't play defense. I don't like the way our team performs. Like, get off Boucher. Put him in your lineup. Your team sucked this year. You guys were the most underperforming team maybe in the history of NBA basketball. What a disappointing season. You guys can't win a game. You lost like, what, 13 in a row at one point. Play Boucher and ask questions later. He's, he's probably the best athlete on your team. 
The, it's funny because go ahead, Ryan. No, no, go finish it up. No, I was gonna say it's funny because I do feel like the if you put the Boucher thing aside, I kind of thought Nurse made sense. Like he played Van Vliet and Lowry a ton of minutes, you know, for most of the season. That was his MO. Things totally went off the rails at the end of the season. So the last month or two have really skewed things for me. But I I, I mean I love Steve's vendetta, so I really can't argue against it. What what are your thoughts? Well, I was gonna say Right. Like the Boucher picking on him. I mean, it makes sense. And anyone who had Boucher on their teams definitely loathes Nick Nurse at this point. Um, And the same thing with with Gafford. Like it's one player who's been stepped on and put down. But there are other guys who have thrived. You mentioned Larry and Van Fleet were excellent. OG has been like a top 50 player. Mm -hmm. Siakam's been decent, at least. Um, And then same with the Wizards. You know, Brooks managed to unlock Russell Westbrook again after a very bad year in Houston. And now he's, you know, passing Oscar Robertson for most triple doubles. He's just on pace for, I think, career highs and rebounds and assists. Uh, Bradley Beal had a fantastic season. So there have at least been some positives. Whereas when I look at OKC, I come up blank with anything nice to say. No, and that's true. It's fair. It's just when you watch a Scott Brooks coach game, it's the in-game stuff, I think, that is really what you question. Like Davis Bertans, and go back to Wednesday night, is just raining in laser threes on the Hawks and then out of the game. It's like, are you not watching the game, Scott Brooks? Like you just ha- You're handing the Hawks a huge gift. The Hawks end up winning that game because of a couple substitutions, I think, mostly. You know, Westbrook's out for a few minutes in the fourth quarter. It's like, how can you have Westbrook out in a game you need Right. The guy is not gonna is not gonna get tired. We know that. Anyways, <laughs> I'll, I'll move on. I already stated my case. I like that you Best. you worked you worked in the Latvian laser nickname in the actually lasered in threes. I like that. They really are lasers. It's incredible. Yeah, he jumps as high as he can and then rifles in these line drives. It's really it's really something. Best fantasy coach. I I don't have one that I feel honestly extraordinarily strong about here. I I, I wrote down. Steve Kerr, question mark. What do you guys have? I'm kind of seeding this one. This is one I I truly don't feel that strongly about. I've got Nate McMillan in there just because of the way he he managed Danilo Gallinari and Bogdan Bogdanovich and Johnny Collins and Trey Young and like all these players he had to get minutes for. Seems like he did it. I think Gallo was worth having on teams uh, at some points of the season. Bogdanovich was awesome. Trey Young was awesome. John Collins was kind of up and down, but John Collins got his role and his minutes every night. Clint Capella was awesome. I think for me, what you want in a fantasy coach that you trust is a guy that plays his guys the same minutes every night. So you know what's happening and you, I mean, that's all you can really do is hope that your guy gets enough minutes to do his thing. And in Atlanta, I felt like you knew those guys were going to play every night. You you knew they were going to probably put up numbers. So, and plus Nate did an awesome job with that team. That's pretty much what what you said at the end there, Steve, about a guy who you know he's going to, you know, which players are going to get minutes, reliable, steady rotations is why I'll go with Tom Thibodeau. Uh, simply because, I mean, Julius Randle, probably mm-hmm. most improved player, I think tops in the league in minutes played. R.J. Barrett made a big leap forward. Derek Rose has been surprisingly solid since he came over from Detroit. Uh, the Knicks, you know, you just knew what you were going to get every night out. That's true. Tibbs did cross my mind. Nate McMillan is a good one, too. It's yeah, funny, I like, Steve. I like McMillan. It's funny that I asked you earlier if that was foreshadowing when you were like, no. <laughs> when I asked about <laughs> McMillan, a little foreshadowing? You're like, nope. Yeah. I, I like, should have oh, said yes. I lied. <laughs> Playing very coy. I like it. Well, we're split on best fantasy coach, so I like you guys' choices better than mine there. And that 
brings us to the end of the line here. Guys, any parting thoughts before we wrap up this uh, little informal awards show? Maybe maybe next year we should do a two-man draft. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. As I said earlier, Monday's show will be the playoff preview. So look out for that on this feed later in the day on Monday. We'll be back Wednesday and Friday of next week as well as the playoffs are getting underway. Thanks to all of you for listening. Ryan, Steve, thanks, guys. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks, Matt. All right, you too. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.